Thank you so much, worship team. As always, preparing our hearts for what is to come, and that is God's Word. I cannot express the joy that I feel to stand up here and share with you my family, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, with what God has put on my heart. And I thank Adam and all of you for allowing me to do so. Like I said, it is such a joy that is unexplainable. It's a fear that's also unexplainable because I'm scared up here. I'm scared because I want you to hear God's Word, and not Bruce. So, let's get started. You know, for the past 30-odd years, I have worked in the manufacturing field for uh, air conditioning and for the firearm industry, and it's been very good. I've enjoyed it. I have a very natural inclination to the quality side, and... One of the things I really like about the manufacturing, and it's probably this way in other fields also, as we're building things, we have what we call work instructions. And that's simply a book or pages that step-by-step break down the tasks it takes to do our jobs. It's detailed out for each of the tasks that we have to perform to produce a good quality unit. It's also readily available, so if you have a question, it's there for you to refer back to. And also, one thing I have learned is you're not alone when you're doing those tasks. You uh, theoretically, hopefully, are trained and what you need to do, and how you need to do it. And here in Titus, Paul has done something very much like that. You know, we all need instructions and reminders on what it is how to li- and how to live a godly life, a Christian life, to be a Christ follower. And through the New Testament, Paul has been very prolific and very good about putting this down for us to see. It's readily available. It's right there. And you know what? We don't go through this alone. We're here for each other. Adam comes up here all the time to help instruct us. We meet together in uh, our small groups. Men gather together, the women gather together. There's plenty of chances that we do not have to go through this alone. There's, you try to go through this alone, you're going to get confused. You're going to get discouraged. I encourage you to be involved and be here on Sundays. Be at, uh, if you're not involved in the small group, become involved in the small group and walk through this life together with us. In Titus, Paul is going to give us detailed instructions. He's actually giving them to Titus 
on how to build the church up correctly in Crete. The church had, had started and had had some mishaps, but he did this, and I kind of loosely detail or outline this out in three steps. Paul did this by uh, telling Titus the things he needed to do. And first thing is he was uh, appointing godly leaders. The second thing he did was he instructed Tim, uh, Titus about um, strengthening the family morality. There was an issue with that there on Crete, and he needed for the church to show what a family really looked like. And also the third thing is he wanted the Christians, the churchgoers, the church members, to show what it was like to be a good citizen in their communities. So let's read Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, by, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want to insist, I want you to insist on these things, so that that, so that, excuse me, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable. For people. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we just praise your name. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. You have told us that when two or more gather in your name, that you would be there. And Lord, we have gathered here to open your word, your precious word, your rescue plan for us, your, your love for us. And I pray that uh, our hearts are open, that we are broken and rebuilt by your hands into something that is useful, something that you can use, that you can show others your glory through us. In your name I pray, amen. So, I kind of broke this down into three categories. And that is how, why, and what because we're supposed to be ready, it says that in verse 1, to devote ourselves, yourself, to good works. So how do we become ready? Well, in verse 1, of course, it tells us how to be ready. It tells us, remind them to be submissive to rulers 
and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So that's two things that we need to have to be ready to do good works. We need to be submissive, and we need to be obedient. I don't know about you guys, those are two words that don't really come to mind to me a lot of times. But then again, you know, as a, as a father, I look at my children, and I expect them to be submissive and obedient to me as I train them up to be good citizens, adults. As a husband, I look to my wife, and I expect her also to be submissive and obedient as I lead her as a godly husband. Heck, I have pets that I expect for them to be submissive and obedient. That doesn't happen real well, but uh, I do expect it out of them. So what does it mean to be submissive, and what does it mean to be obedient? Well, in Romans chapter 13, in verse 1, it tells us this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So by submissive, we are to follow the rule of the land for the place that we live in. Sometimes that's pretty easy. Sometimes we're not real happy about it. And here in America, we have been so blessed for so long that uh, I know for some people right now it is difficult to be submissive. And not just on the national level, but state and local but as, as in Romans it says, God put those there, those people there, that specific person there, those specific ideas for us to follow. And then to be obedient in 2 Timothy, it says this, chapter 2 and verse 21 Therefore, if anyone cleansed himself from what is dishonorable, then he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So to be obedient means to have cleansed ourselves of the things we don't need for our master. So God expects us to be submissive and obedient and ready to do good works. Verse 2, it says, it tells us more about what we need to do and how to become submissive and obedient. It tells us these things. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Sounds pretty easy. I'll put in some different words. Uh, don't gossip. Don't fight. 
be nice, and be ready to serve. In 2 Timothy, it, it warns us, again, in, in chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, to avoid quarreling. It says, having, ready, having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant con- controversies, you should know that they breed quarrels, and that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. So we should uh, avoid fighting. That doesn't mean that we cannot have passionate debates over things that we believe to be true or know to be true. We just need to make sure that we have our ducks in a row and, and, and talk out of surety and not just passion. Perfect courtesy. This one kind of threw me a little bit. What is perfect courtesy? And I was, I was thinking, you know, what, like a good host or hostess, which is kind of close, but I was, did a little more research. And in this verse, what it, what it really means is to be meek and gentle or ready to serve. So how we need to be, how we need to be ready to uh, devote ourselves to good works, we need to be submissive, we need to be obedient, we need to avoid quarrels, we need to watch what we say and talk to, uh, about other people, and that we need to be gentle and meek. You know, that makes me think of my own father. He's uh, been passed away for several years, and his birthday came up just recently, and he, I mean, he's been on my mind. And uh, the one thing that I, I remember most about my, my father, um, he was a big bowling ball of a man, about this tall and about that wide. Bull in the china closet, no doubt. I get that from him. But he was probably one of the most gentle persons I have ever known who was always willing as my father to take my hand, put his arm around my my shoulders, and to listen to me, to point out where I have gone wrong, to point out where I can do better, and just to love me. So when we say gentle and meek, that's who I think of. Just not my father, but my heavenly father, who has been nothing but good to me in so many ways, on so many levels. So why? Why should we be ready? What are we ready for? And in verse 3, 3 verses 7, it, it covers this. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were once right there with these other people, people who don't know God. They were foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's a miserable, miserable existence to feel those things, to have no anchor to not know what you really believe in, going from one emotion to the next emotion, not having direction, 
It says here, we were once there. That was us. For some of us, it still is. We still, even though we proclaim Christ, we still allow our, our passions and our pleasures to rule us and to guide us. And that's when we separate ourselves from God and things go haywire. You know that for we, for we ourselves were once some of the scariest words to me in the whole Bible. Because it reminds me of what I was and who I was. And then verse 4 has the, one of the best words, but. Makes me think of the old schoolhouse rock, conjunction, junction. What's your function? And the word but, you know, is, it, it connects things. It separates, separates, it connects things. Not this, but that. So what, what do we have to look forward to once we get out of this foolishness? It tells us, it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. God says, saved us. He has rescued us from a directionless life, a life of nothingness that is filled with nothing but what we might think is important the things that we feel need to be done. And he changes us. He changes us completely through time. And how does he, how does he change us? How does he rescue us? It says here, he saved us, not by works done by, by us, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, so that, when we, may, that we could be justified by his grace and we can become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. That is right. You know, re, when I read this and saw this by the washing of regeneration, I, I really had to do a lot of digging to understand what this, what this means. And I had to uh, call upon a, a, an old friend by the name of uh, John Piper. And he kind of helped explain this to me but the washing of the regeneration. Regeneration simply means a rebirth or a new beginning. And God gives us a new beginning. He washes the old away and starts us anew. When we have a believer's baptism, we talk about, as we, they go under, signifying the death of the old life, and as they come back up, 
the start of a new life. That is regeneration. And God gives us that. He has said, but when you hear the word regeneration in Titus 3.5, you need to hear it big. God saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but by His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And what he says in verse 7, that, is the aim, that the aim of the new birth is that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of, the, of eternal life. He means heirs of everything including, included in that eternal life. That means new heavens, new earth, a new body, perfected relationships, and a sinless sight of all that is good and glorious, and the new capacities for the kind of a pleasure in God that exceeds anything that we know or could dream of. That is what regeneration is. That's what it means to be an heir. That is, an heir is just a legal receivership of what someone has given you. And that is what God is wanting to give us. And renewal by the Holy Spirit. I really like this. You know, it tells us in verse 7 that we are justified by His grace. Justification just means that we are separated from the sin that we have committed because of what God has done for us. And renewal of the Holy Spirit, that's us abiding in God's Spirit. And I love this word, poured out on us richly. My wife and I were talking about this phrase the other day and kind of what it meant to her and what it meant to me. And it's just amazing how much, how richly God loves us, how much He has poured His favor upon us. It's just... It's God, it's God working through us the Holy Spirit. And it's an everyday choice to dwell in the Spirit. As Christians, sometimes we get, we, I'm, I went to church on Sunday, and I got filled up. I'm good to go. But we are leaky, leaky vessels. And by Monday, we are empty. We need to dwell to submerse ourselves in the Holy Spirit, so that we may be convicted, that we may be directed and pointed to the ways that we need to, to go to glorify God. As I was uh, doing the work and, and studying up on this, I read somewhere, and, and they had called these verses, the poetry of the gospel. And I tend to believe that. Because it says here, you know, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, He saved us according to His own mercy through regeneration and renewal that He poured out on us so that we may be justified and have hope of an eternal life. That is poetry. 
So what are we getting ready for? What are we doing these things? Why are we changing our lives? Why are we allowing our lives to be changed? Well, in verse 8, it tells us that. It tells us that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. When we talked about already, you know, he, he, he has given us directions on what good works and how to avoid doing the bad works is. So if God has changed our life, what are, what are we looking for? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? He tells us here that the, these things are excellent and profitable for people. I like excellent things. I like profitable things. Profitable is for your gain. And what better gain is there than being justified by Christ, sanctified through the promptings of the Holy Spirit? so that we may be glorified when we become the heirs of this eternal hope. And when the time comes that we are taken by, by God into the new heavens, to the new earth, and into his presence, what can be more profitable than that? I can't think of anything that would be better than that. So, we've covered the how, the uh, why, and the what. So lastly, I want to tell, us, tell you this. We must be ready to lift each other up for the glory of God. The job of the church, that's us. Our job is to share the good news. Even though we have accepted Christ, we need to know every day we need Christ. We need His love, we need His grace, we need His mercy. Those that do not, they definitely need to know that. So our job is to share that good news. And in fact, I'm going to dip back into Chapter 2 of Titus, verse 11, in verses 14, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Well, how does the grace of God appear? It has to come from us. God has made us his vessels to show other people his love. So, in verse 14 it says, Who gave himself, that's Christ, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealots for good works. Our job is to share this good news. With other Christians, we need to encourage them to walk beside them, to hold them accountable. For non-Christians by our actions and words. We should whet their curiosity on them wanting to know 
what we have, why we have it, and how they can get it. Now, each time I come up here, I find, I find something I want to challenge everybody on. And these challenges in, include me. Now, here's my challenge for you. Are you showing the beauty of the good news about our saving God? Through your actions and through your words, the way you interact with the people you work with, the way you interact with your children or your wife? Are they seeing, hearing the good news? And if not, what's keeping you from it? What is separating you from doing that? Personally, as I have prepared this, I, I have found my Achilles heel and what keeps me from being all that God needs me to be. And I, I have to tell you, my prayer life kind of stinks. It used to be a lot better, but my focus had changed. And so I have recommitted myself that the first things in my mind and on my lips when I wake up is to, pray, to go to God and pray and thank Him. When I head to work to pray that I be a good ambassador for Him. When I have a dis disagreement with my wife on how things should be done, that I do it in a loving and kind way with an open mind and an open heart, just in case I'm wrong. Yeah. That happens quite often, to be honest. So what's keeping you from being the vessel that God has made you to be? Here in Titus, Titus is a fantastic book. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. It gets to the nuts and bolts. It tells us what we need to do, what we need to look for. It's almost self-contained. Everything I've read in it, I could just almost go right back to another chapter, to another verse in that book, and it would strengthen what it says. So, again, what's keeping you from showing the beauty of the good news about our saving God. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, thank you. Once again, thank you so, so much for this opportunity to open my heart up to my, my family. Lord, I pray that uh, your word has, has been first and foremost and put out where people can see it. Lord, I pray that hearts have changed, that people have uh, looked, uh, are looking at their lives and what they're doing and how they might be able to change it and how they might be able to become a better, more fully devoted follower of you, Lord. For that's our ultimate goal is to praise you, to worship you, to raise you up, as we raise each other up. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together again.